what's the real reason black women aren't getting married at as high rates as others? And is it such a bad thing? Welcome to Love Life Skills for Leaders, where we heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. I'm Candace Harper, love coach, and my mission is to help professional women of color and culture magnetize healthy partners and create a love life that loves us back. We all deserve joyful relationships. I have one, and I want you to have yours too. This is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best love life possible, whether single or couple. I'm going to share with you the practical steps for getting aligned with your core values and becoming an energetic space for all that you desire. Share this show with your friends and write a review. Don't keep it a secret. We all need good love. Also, make sure to subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. All right, it's time to get started. Girls, 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 let's talk about it today. First of all, please forgive the sound of my voice. I have had some sort of like crazy stomach bug flu thing all week long. It has stolen my voice. It is only just today, the last couple of days, trying to creep its way back to full force. And I know that uh, the sound of my voice is something that gives many a lot of pleasure. But this week, I'm a little more... uh, Brenda Vaccaro, then I, God, I'm dating myself. What the hell? (laughs) I'm a little more Harvey Firestein than Brenda Vaccaro. So, you know, yeah, I'm dating myself. Anyway, today I want to talk about uh, why black women are not getting married. At least that's what they say. That's what the statistics are touting not getting married at rates as high as others. And is it such a bad thing if we're not, right? Is it really such a bad thing? So, you know, we always want to take statistics with a grain of salt. It's like, who's conducting these statistics? They often use a small microcosm of a group of people and sort of assign that to the entire group because how else would they do it? They don't go around the entire country and ask every single person, the entire world and ask every single person you know, the pertinent questions to really be super accurate. But it does give a sort of overview, a general leaning to where things are going, the direction that they're going in. And of course, then there is social co-signing, which is every time people read statistics, they agree with it, it becomes conversation, becomes a belief. And once it becomes a belief and enough people think it's true and then uh, converse about it, converse, I was about to say conversate, Enough people converse about it and toss it back and forth and start to believe it's true. And then we make it true as a society, as a community, as people. Once enough people believe something is true, it becomes true in society. And it actually shows up in reality. <clears throat> but I digress. The point of today is I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the the idea of common reasons a lot of Black women give for, or some Black women give, I should say, for having not gotten married or be, or not being in a long-term relationship, a long-term sustainable relationship. And so I know some of it might sound obvious. I mean, if you're on TikTok, you know, there's a lot of black women. We talk about what reasons we're not in relationships and, you know, what's wrong with black men and, you know, what's wrong with men in general and what's wrong with relationships and dating today. But I wanted to really delve into some of the common reasons that we hear and not to dispel any of them but let's just you know sometimes we just believe stuff without thinking about it 
And that stuff that we believe without thinking about it can definitely be very, um, uh, it's self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So I can believe one thing about myself or another thing about myself and whatever I believe is going to be true for me. I'm going to make it true for me because that's what the human brain does. Once we have a thought and a belief and that's what we know to be true, our brain starts to look for and create evidence in order to support that because we don't want to feel crazy. So that's what we do as human beings. So I want to talk about what are some of these reasons that we kind of believe on autopilot and how we can move them out of the way if what we have and what we want are two different things. So this is not to assign to everyone that everyone wants to be married or everybody wants to be in a sustainable relationship. But if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you do. And ain't nothing wrong with it, honey. You got to start owning it, being proud of it, because ain't nothing wrong with you for wanting it, right? Number one. All right, so let's start. So the first one is limited pool of eligible partners. Black women, a lot of times we feel that there are fewer black men available who are potential partners for us due to factors such as higher rates of incarceration than other uh, cultures of men, lower rates of educational attainment, or higher rates of unemployment among black men. So again, we go back to the, the statistics, right? And we can subscribe to those statistics. I'm not even saying that those statistics are inaccurate, but they become enough of a belief that they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we know that none of us is a monolith. We as black women are not a monolith. Black men are not a monolith. So whatever the statistics say about certain ones of us or even the worst of us, We can espouse to those statistics and assign it to everyone. And then that's the experience we're going to have with everyone. But when we subscribe to the fate of the masses, that's exactly what we get. Right? So if the masses of people believe that, you know, black men are all incarcerated and, and let me not, I know I'm walking a fine line here because yes, there are disparities. Yes. Statistically, there are higher rates of black men who are incarcerated, you know, even when innocent. But putting that aside, as far as what's available for marriage and things like that, once we subscribe to this fate, that that's the way it is, that's what's happening, that's what we're up against, then that's what we deal with, right? If the mindset is, I get it, I get that more black men per capita are incarcerated, statistically speaking, going by the census. However, that doesn't mean that my ideal partner is unavailable to me. Me as an individual does not mean that I have to have a harder time finding and attracting and connecting with an ideal partner. Doesn't mean that I will not fall in love because we think that we need to have all of this quantity available to us in order for us to find what we want. And we are led to believe that if I don't have a whole lot to choose from, then I get nothing. Or if I don't have a whole lot to choose from, that my chances are lower. What we fail to understand is that it's not a numbers game. It's a game of alignment. It's a game of attraction, right? It's a game of being what I wish to create. And when I put my faith in that and I trust that, I can start to believe that my person is not incarcerated. My person is seeking me. My person is available to me. Or maybe my person is incarcerated because he's going through some things. And once he's no longer incarcerated, he's going to rebuild his life and turn it around and have a completely different experience. We don't know as far as the timing is concerned. But if I sit in the belief that 
The reason that I'm not married, the reason that I'm not in a long-term relationship is because so many black men are in jail and none of them went to college and there's so many of them unemployed. And I buy into those statistics. Not only do I affect my own experience, but I also feed into the social consciousness, the community consciousness that this is true, which does therefore continue it and make it true, continues the involvement of it and make it true, makes it true. So that's number one. Number two, lack of financial stability. A lot of times we give the reason that, you know, we're we're prioritizing financial stability and security. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we, we feel like we can't achieve financial stability and security in marriage due to the challenges of finding a financially secure partner. So that's another monolithic overarching myth that black men don't know how to be financially secure. That's not true. There's many black men out there that not only know how to be financially secure, also know how to multiply their money, live abundantly, live with stability and create stability and be uh, forthright and, and forthcoming and communicative around finances and building and creating. And if that's the kind of man that you want to attract into your life, you want to be the kind of woman that is a space for that. Right. Just be the kind of woman that's the space for that. But you can't be the kind of woman that's the space for that if all you believe is that the monolith of black men don't know what to do with money. So why even bother? Why trust them? Why not, you know, be the one paying the bills? Why not forgo being with anybody altogether because it's so much easier than having to deal with all their financial stupidity? And all those beliefs will support that lack of what it is that you truly want. Trauma or negative experiences with relationships. So black women, a lot of times we may have experienced trauma. All colors of women experience trauma. Negative experiences in past relationships, which make us hesitant to enter into a marriage. Sometimes what we've seen before us in our families, what have been modeled for us, does not look like anything that we would want. The hard part about this one is that unwillingness to let the past create the future. So if I look at my future as a product of the past, what I've seen in the past, what I've been through in the past, if I navigate my future based on what I've been through in the past, if I have ways of being and acting based on who I've met in the past, who I've been in a relationship with the past, because I'm fearful of having it happen again, all I'm going to do is recreate exactly what I experienced in the past. So, you know, they say what we fear, we manifest. So the way we do that is we respond and we react to life in the way that we've been taught to based on what we experienced in the past. And I know you're saying, well, Candace, how does that work? Isn't that life like you experience things? You learn lessons, then you move forward and you do it differently. And that's absolutely right. We experience life we learn lessons, but you want to be cognizant of the lesson that you're learning. Is the lesson that you're learning a belief that you're espousing to protect yourself? Is it your ego saying, don't do this thing, generalize, looking at the group of people that you want to date as a monolith? Is it saying to do that and then uh, set up rules around how you navigate based on those external things that in no way indicate whether a person is good for you or not? Or is it saying, understand your value in a situation, understand who you are in a situation and grow from who you were when you attracted that thing that didn't work. Not uh, trying to find somebody else who's better or try to make sure that next person doesn't do the same thing. Try to control your external. It's grow from being a person who was a space for what did not work. 
right? When I was in an abusive relationship, I was a space for abusive relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. Doesn't mean that I deserve to be abused. Doesn't mean that I asked to be abused. It doesn't mean that I'm okay with being abused. It's not a victim blaming thing. But in order to be in a situation like that, I gotta be a space for it. I gotta be a yes for it on some level. I gotta be complicit in my own abuse. I gotta be willing to stay. And I'm not judging myself or anybody else if they're in that situation, but they're in a place in their journey where that's what they are a space for. And so in order to have a different experience, you want to become a different space, not control what's outside of you, but turn inward and become a space for what it is you really want to, want to attract in your life, right? The next one is pursuing personal and career goals. So a lot of us may prioritize pursuing our personal and career goals over getting married and may feel that marriage would be a distraction from those goals. So it is possible that we, we come from a family where there are no desirable examples of marriage or partnership and lots of reasons to be independent and earning our own money, whether it's, you know, that we came from poverty or control or, you know, situations where, um, you know, there was abuse and money was involved or uh, we felt that we didn't have freedom. If there was too much, uh, sometimes very religious families are very strict as well. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we might come from uh, family or conditioning that has us looking at marriage as something that's not so desirable. Why not just, you know, be independent, get my own money, take care of myself. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with being someone who says, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to, you know, I'm a sister doing it for myself. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But if what you want is a partnership and you want a marriage, understand that we live in a day and age where we can define our own partnerships. So once I heal from all that stuff from the past, all that stuff that was modeled for me that didn't work, stuff with parents, you know, uh, relationships that broke down or relationships that didn't even look like something I'd want to be in. I mean, my parents stayed together right up until my mom passed away. 55 plus years of marriage and then relationship to me never looked like a relationship I would want to be in. It didn't invite me to want to be married to anybody. And so I had to learn for myself that I can define what my partnership is. My partnership doesn't have to be what their partnership is. I can't define marriage based on what my parents' marriage was. I can't define partnership based on partnerships that I saw growing up, right? Even if it's ones that worked out great, you never know what is within someone else's relationship. So even if you're looking at a relationship, your parents, they really loved each other and it was fantastic. You cannot define marriage based on that marriage that you saw. Now, you might be able to pick some things and say, oh, I'd like to experience that as well. And that can help you define what works for you. Right. But but we're lucky in that we live in a day and age where we can define what our partnerships need to be. And that's why the healing piece is so important, because once I've healed, I don't have to assign things from the past. I can just create. I can create from nothing and I can create a relationship that doesn't have to look like anything that I'm used to from my family, that doesn't speak to my trauma, that doesn't come from the hurt, the pain, the ego. Fear of losing independence or autonomy. So some of us fear that losing our independence or autonomy in a marriage is the worst possible thing that can happen. And that's exactly what would happen. And so we prefer to remain single and maintain control over our own lives, right? Because we feel like marriage means not having control over your own life. And who hasn't dealt with the misogynoir? My own precious daddy believes that every woman needs the guidance of a man, honey. 
And we know that this is not true. There's many of us that get along out there just fine without a man. However, no one teaches us that it's okay to be independent or autonomous. It's okay to make that decision. It's more than okay. The most important thing is doing what is right for you. So don't stay out of a relationship or not get married or avoid it because you're afraid of losing your independence or autonomy. Understand that real healthy partnership means building it up the way that you want to build it up. Now, if you're somebody who has to have it your way all the time, <laughs> that it's your way or the highway, a partnership is probably not going to work for you. Because you you know, you just can't live like that. You don't want to have to control the other person. Um, that's not sustainable. There's not a whole lot of people out there that want to be controlled. There are some that do, but that's a whole nother thing. Uh, you know, we're getting into kink and all of that. And while there's nothing wrong with that, what we're talking about is building sustainable partnerships. What you do sexually and what predilections you have within that are your own business. You can figure all that out yourself. But, you know, that fear that I'm going to lose my independence is not a good reason to not have a relationship that you want because you can create it to be what you want if you're okay with not being in control of everything all the time. And that's both people. Both people have to be willing to compromise control of everything because you're partnering together. That's the whole point of getting together. It's relating. It's understanding each other. It's interacting. And that is what we were put on this earth to do. is to love one another, interact, learn how to be part of a community, understand that we are not a singular, uh, isolated event that we are connected to a whole. And when we partner romantically, that is just a place to practice that. It's a place to practice that understanding of how to be with other humans and know that, that we can get along and connect and not just have to have it 100% our way all of the time. Because I don't know about you, to me, that's a very lonely life. And I'm a bossy person. I can I know how to get things to be my way, have things be my way, tell people what to do. And ultimately, in the long run, that doesn't cause any kind of connection. Then there is cultural and social pressure. So we often feel pressure from our families, our communities to get married, which can be stressful and lead to feelings of resentment or rebellion. So... Whether it's that your family is pressuring you to get married or pressuring you to be in a relationship. Maybe they don't always push it on you all the time, but maybe there's some way of being around your family. I know in my family, marriage and long-term marriage is a big thing. Endurance in a marriage is a big thing. Like in my family, I come from a very Christian American black family. And so the longer you've been married, the more celebrated, the more excited people get. Never mind if you've been enduring it the whole time. Never mind if you've been, you know, getting your ass beat the whole time. Never mind if you've had no control, no autonomy. Never mind if you were ever even able to follow your dreams. What is most important is that you got in a marriage, you stayed in a marriage, and you stayed in a marriage for life. <laughs> and so that does happen, right? And it can be very stressful, that pressure, to feel like that is what you have to do. And so this is why we heal the past, Right, So that we know that the choices we are making are from our authentic values and not our trauma. So your values, while sometimes they can come from your family, your values are something for you to define. And I know for me, as a black woman who made a decision many, many times not to marry, 
that I had to define my own values. What is valuable to me? What means something to me? What makes my life mean something? What would I need to be able to say for me to leave this world? And that I was somebody's wife was not something that I need to be able to say. It would be great if that's how I felt, you know, with my partner now. He's probably one of the few people, if ever, that I have felt like that's someone that I would, uh, you know, make that compromise with and that I'd be willing to do that. But I don't, I don't need to be on my deathbed as Mrs. Whoever, right? What I need to know is that I loved fully. I loved unconditionally. I uh, provided for others. I provided for myself that I gave freely and that I was generous and that I made the most out of this life that I was given and what opportunities were provided to me that felt like they were in alignment with what's most important to me, with my talents, my self-expression, my creativity, and how I could change the world and affect other people. That's what I need to be able to say when I die. I don't need to be able to say that I'm most misses. It's okay. I'm okay with that. But if you're getting that kind of pressure from your family, just understand, like, is this feeling pressureful because this really is a value for me or because I feel like it's the only way I'm going to fit into my family. I found recently in the last few years that I fit into my family just fine without having gotten married and they have their opinions about it. I'm sure they have their feelings about it. I'm sure, but they don't love me any less. And that's the most important thing out of everything. And even if they did love me any less, I would find other chosen family that would not love me any less. And I certainly don't need to love me any less. So you want to know that cultural and social pressures aside, are you aligned with what is most important to you? Because you don't need to resent anybody for pressuring you to get married. You don't need to feel feelings of stress from anybody if they're pressuring you to get married. And that's not what you want to do. They're pressuring you to be in a relationship and you're not there yet. You haven't found that person yet. You're not ready yet. The only thing we need to do is get aligned with our own values and be in the practice of, of good, healthy self-relationships so that when that person does come along, if we want that person, that we're ready to recognize and connect with them. And then lack of trust in the institution of marriage. So, you know, a lot of black women feel that the institution of marriage has historically not served our interests. And sometimes we're skeptical of its value or its relevance in our lives. And that's valid because sometimes the family pathology dictates, like I was saying, in my own family, it dictates that you endure. And I'm not saying the women in my family are all unhappy, but there was a certain level of sacrifice that they made in order to be married for the amounts of times that they've been married. There's certain amounts of things that they either didn't care about doing or gave up on doing or didn't even pursue. And I don't know if they feel regret around it or not. I mean, maybe they felt like that was their lot in life. I don't know. But if that's been the pathology, if the pathology in your family is that, you know, every marriage has been violent, every marriage has ended in abandonment. Every marriage has ended in divorce. It's all so negative. It's all so ugly. It'd be really hard to trust the institution of marriage, right? And so you have to understand, and I mentioned this before, to get in a long-term relationship, to be in a partnership, to be willing to sustain with somebody else, you have to be in the business of co-creation. And marriage is just a legal and religious way to represent your relationship to other people and there's that's great there's nothing wrong with all of that but you want to be in the business of co-creation do both of you want to 
create marriage for yourselves? Do you both of you want to create long term for yourselves? And if you're not someone who feels like you have to create marriage for yourself, you meet a possible partner who's trying to live up to someone else's idea of tradition. That person may not be for you. You want to meet someone who's who knows that how to partner with you and will be there to help you create what you want. And what they want is in alignment with what you want. That is part of compatibility. That's how you know they're a good partner for you. Sometimes we're like, oh, we were so in love. But that person had an expectation of this, that, and the other. And I didn't want to do this, that, and the other. And that's wonderful. So that just showed you a lack of compatibility, right? Love, lust, that attraction, that chemical stuff is great. But none of it means anything if what you see for yourselves, what you want to create for yourselves are two completely different things. And if you're someone who is in your authenticity, your core values and your freedom, you know who you are, you know what's important to you, and you're not trying to live by someone else's rules, the last thing you need to do is try to match up with somebody who is. Because it's going to be a hard road to hoe. Right? It's going to be a very hard road to hoe. So I know that there's a lot of talk out there you know, about black women being the most unwanted as far as eligibility and all of that stuff. And, you know, having the biggest challenges when it comes to the the dating sites. Meanwhile, you know, we are, we set the standard for beauty, even though we, we rarely get the credit for it. You know, we're so powerful and we're so great. And just like we don't want to be known for the worst amongst us, neither do our potential partners or other groups of people. And it's important to note that these reasons that I'm talking about are not just unique to black women and that individual experiences and perspectives may vary widely. But what's most important is that if you do want to be in a relationship and you do want to get married, you want to be in a sustainable partnership, there are certain things that you definitely want to keep in mind. You don't want to subscribe to the negative cultural stereotypes and let them stand in the way of your healing. Everyone who wants to be in a healthy relationship must be on a healing journey. So I say that to say, do not resist the healing journey or avoid it or avoid working on yourself or growing yourself because you're tired of the narrative that is something is wrong with a black woman and she needs to fix herself. Because we all need the growth, the transformation, the shifting. We all need the healing. And whether people try to put us in one vat and say that all black women are angry and they need to fix it, all black women are this and they need to fix it, who cares what they say? Everybody needs the healing. Everybody needs to get an understanding of their past that they can heal and release so that they can start all over again and create something new and not let their ego and their their childhood survival be dictating who they are as an adult in relationships. So don't let anyone take that away from you, making you feel like your healing journey is about fixing yourself as a black woman. You don't need fixing because you are a black woman. But I'll tell you what, because you are a black woman, you're going to rock that fixing better than anybody else does because we are vulnerable and authentic and strong. I know I'm not supposed to be talking about us like we're a monolith, but I'm just saying I'm a little biased. So don't let anything stop your journey. You want to have a journey towards your own health that is unconditional. You are not fixing yourself because someone else says you are problematic or to find a man or to have the ability to fix those around you. Everything you want to experience in love is already inside of you. So that's the journey that you're on is understanding that everything you want to experience will be generated by you and it will attract those who align with that as long as you are willing to generate it.
And that's it. I mean, as a coach, that's what I help people do. Learn how to generate the exact experience that they want to have. It is up to us. It is up to us, no matter what color we are, no matter what gender we are, to do this work. Everybody's got to do this work. And rather than sit around believing the generalizations, believing in the statistics, buying into the things that we're sold about what's available to us and what's out there for us, begin to believe in what you want. Begin to believe in what you're looking to attract and allow yourself to be limitless. You don't need to cut off any part of who you are or what it is that you desire in order to have something else that you desire. You don't need to stop believing in or wanting something that you truly desire because of the, the statistics or what the people on TikTok think or what the things that you hear every day. You want to set up for yourself a mindset of knowing that you are powerful, powerful enough to generate the feelings you want to feel every day and be a magnet for those things. And that's it, my sweethearts. The good news is that that's, like I said, that's what I do as a coach. That's what I help people do. I'm working on a digital program right now called Create a Love Life That Loves You Back. And um, it's about to be released in its beta form. It's going to be the most inexpensive that it's ever going to be. And the point what you walk away with the result is the ability to create a love life that loves you back whatever that might be however you need to define it for yourself that's what i do i help you define it for yourself so that you can create it and you can have it and you can experience it if you want to do that you got to get at me candace at candaceharperlovecoach.com as soon as you can now i have another project that's coming up too it's homie, Yo Stasis. If you've been listening to the show, it's a funny, heart-wrenching, authentic compilation of BIPOC plus women and their stories of home. If you are a BIPOC woman or know a BIPOC woman who has a pivotal story around her experience of home, homeostasis, creating balance, go to bit.ly forward slash the home project 2023 or bit.ly forward slash it's homeostasis, the word homeostasis, it's homeostasis, and submit your story. You may be invited to feature in the book or come on the upcoming podcast. All proceeds from the book go to creating housing stability for BIPOC women and the book's contributors. And that's it, my sweethearts. I had to rush through this one because my voice is going to give out at any second. I love you so much for listening. Until next week, until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable. And by all means, please give yourself grace. Grace.